You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis 13, I'm going to get into the message here in a moment. I, I've been thinking a lot uh, and I've been praying a lot about us, what we're doing with church. Uh, I understand that not everybody agrees with a decision to uh, have a tent meeting and not everybody agrees with a decision about coming back into, I understand all that. Uh, I also understand there's risks in every area of life. And uh, we've tried to minimize those as much as possible. Uh, but I think we need to pray that God would continue to protect us, that God would continue to uh, watch over us. And I don't think we're trying to be foolish. I think we're trying to honor the Lord. I mentioned it in our workers meeting on Sunday morning, though, to our workers. And I especially want to say it to this crowd here. I don't feel like that because we are here tonight, I don't feel like we're some super Christians. I certainly don't feel like we're martyrs, and I don't feel like that we've got a, an extra, uh, Brother George, you sang about a pile of crowns. I don't think we're going to have an extra one in heaven because we're here and somebody else is not. Uh, but I do think we ought to give people a lot of grace during this time. Uh, I've had a lot of encouraging phone calls and messages of people saying, Pastor, we want to be there. Uh, but with a family member who is uh, at risk or a family member who has underlying conditions, we just don't think it's a good idea. Some with your jobs and some that are listening, you, you just can't. I, I understand that. And I don't want you to feel like you're a terrible person or anything like that. It's not a badge of honor. You know, you leave here and say, I was at church. Where were you? Uh, but I hope for people that don't come and people that are not back in church yet, I hope that they're tuning in. I hope you're watching every message. I hope you're listening. I hope you're praying. Uh, I hope you're being a witness. I hope you're checking on people and doing the things that God wants us to do. And uh, Christianity should not be put on hold because of a virus. Uh, I like what the judge said. He said, uh, the Constitution, uh, he said, does not, uh, does not go to sleep during a pandemic. And uh, I believe that Christianity ought to be 24-7. Uh, whether you're at home or you're at church or you're at work or wherever you are, and I hope we'll live that way. I've been thinking a lot lately. The president made the, the statement in his uh, speech last week, but he made the statement about how the uh, alcohol uh, liquor stores were open during this virus. He made the statement that abortion clinics were open during this pandemic, but churches were not. I was studying a little bit this week, and I looked up, did some research, and I, I knew these numbers were high, but I, I'm always amazed when I, I'm reminded that in our country every year, approximately 88,000 people die every year because of alcohol-related incidents. Isn't that amazing to think that we've had about 100,000 people in our country that have passed away from this virus? But 88,000 people every year die because of alcohol. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me, and it's so sad to me, that in the state of North Carolina, the, the last year that we've got full records of, 2017, there were almost 30,000 abortions that took place. And those could have been avoided. And those were funded in many cases, by your tax dollars and my tax dollars. 
But it's amazing to me how we, we left the abortion clinics open. It's amazing to me how we left the liquor stores open and uh, our governor, and, and I, uh, what you think about our governor, that's up to you. I think we ought to respect him. I think we ought to pray for him. Uh, I don't think we ought to be political with all this, but I do think we ought to be biblical and I think we ought to be scriptural. And I think we ought to recognize that when a governor will veto a bill as he did last year that says if a baby is born alive and a baby survives an abortion, the Senate passed, the House passed, that that baby ought to be protected and that baby ought to be cared for. And our governor vetoed that bill and said, no, that's not the way it should be. That ought to bother us. Especially when our governor has made a lot of statements recently. If you've listened to any of the press conferences, he talks about how the, the health and safety and well-being of North Carolinians is of utmost importance. And I agree it is of utmost importance. But you can't turn a blind eye to the 30,000 babies that were butchered in the state of North Carolina in 2017. Our governor also has said how that everything needs to be shut down. And of course, that's, things are, are opening now. But everything needs to be shut down, and if that means that our economy is destroyed or whatever, so be it. But that same governor, in 2016, when he was the attorney general, stood publicly and said, I will not defend House Bill 2. That was the bathroom bill, if you remember that. That bill that said that men could not go into women's bathrooms. That bill that said that transgenders could not pick the bathroom they wanted to go into. Even in some cases, we're talking about registered sex offenders that could go into whichever bathroom they chose. And our now governor, then attorney general said, I will not defend that bill, although it was passed in our state. And his reasoning, are you ready for this? First of all, he said it was discrimination. But secondly, he said it will affect our economy too drastically. Because the NBA and the NCAA and the NFL put pressure on our state and said, if you do this, we're pulling out. As I begin to look at some of, and by the way, our governor talks a lot about science and data and, and facts and all of that. I'll give you a very interesting fact, and that fact is that God created man and woman. That, that, that's pretty simple, but that's a fact. I'll give you another fact. The Bible says that a man and a woman makes a marriage. That's a Bible fact. But can I tell you, as I begin to read through that court document and some of the discrepancies and some of the inconsistencies with the governor's orders. I began to examine my own life and I began to think, you know, I wonder if there's some inconsistencies in me. You know, it's easy to criticize a governor. It's easy to criticize a president. When every decision you make, people can question you and people can point out every little thing. But what if we had to go on trial? What if we had reporters sticking a microphone in our face and saying, why did you do this or why didn't you do this? I'd like to preach for a few moments this evening from the book of Genesis. 
I'd like to preach on, and I want you to stay with me here. I won't be long, but I've got to, I've got to lay a little bit of groundwork. I'd like to preach on the consistency of the Christian life. You see, as Christians, God's plan and God's desire is not for us to say one thing and do another. God's plan is not for us to act one way in one place and act a different way in another place. Christianity, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature through and through. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And as Christians, there ought to be some consistency. There ought to be uh, some stability. There ought to be some dependability in our lives. Genesis 13, we find the story of Lot. Lot was a, a man who was with Abraham. Lot was Abraham's nephew. It says in verse number one that Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and gold, and he went on his journeys unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Verse four, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Notice verse five, and Lot also, Lot is with Abraham. Lot is witnessing a man that knew God, a man who was called the friend of God. But verse number 6 and verse number 7 tell us there were some problems. The Bible says that the land was not large enough for, for them and for their cattle. And so verse number 7, there was a strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, this is not the message, but I want to say this. Be very careful that you don't allow strife that you don't allow a disagreement or you don't allow uh, something little to come in that takes you away from God. Something that, that, by the way, Satan loves to capitalize on strife. And he'll take something little. He'll take something like a pandemic. He'll take something like, well, so-and-so said this or so-and-so didn't say this. He'll take something little and he will allow that strife to fester and he will use that strife to get you out of church to get you away from God. The devil loves to deal with strife. He loves to use it to magnify it. This strife caused Lot to separate from Abraham. This financial opportunity that Lot had, it caused him to get away from a man of God who was influential in his life. Notice verse number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. Verse 11, and he chose all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves one from the other. But notice verse number 12, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He not only went toward Sodom, he not only chose the plains near Sodom, but then he pitched his tent and he pitched it the direction that he could see Sodom and he could see what was going on in Sodom in verse 13 the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That ought to have been the first clue for Lot to say, this was a bad move. This is not where I need to be. That would have been a good time for Lot to say, I'm going back with Uncle Abraham. I'm going back where God was meeting with us and where God was directing, but he didn't. Chapter 14, the city of Sodom was attacked. Lot was captured and all of his goods and he was carried away as a prisoner of war. Verse number 16, Abraham and his men, they come and they rescue Lot 
and they rescue the people of Sodom. And you would have thought, boy, you would have thought that would have been a wake-up call. You think Lot would have said, uh-oh, maybe God's trying to get my attention. Maybe Sodom's not the place I need to be. Maybe I shouldn't be hanging out with this wicked crowd, but it didn't get Lot's attention. He just went right back to living. Genesis chapter 18, the Bible tells us that the Lord came to meet with Abraham and to talk with Abraham. He came with two angels. And in this chapter, Genesis 18, the Bible tells us that God told Abraham that he was going to destroy the city of Sodom. And Abraham began to reason with God. And he said, God, would you spare the city for 50 righteous? God said, I will. Abraham said, would you spare the city for 45? God said, yes, for 40, yes, for 30, yes, for 20, yes, for 10, 10 people. God said, I will spare it. And for whatever reason, Abraham stopped there. I think he assumed Lot had been in that city for that long that at least his family was saved. At least maybe a few people must have come to know Christ or know the Lord because of Lot's uh, a witness. But God couldn't find 10 righteous people in the city. We get to chapter 19 and God was talking with Abraham and the two angels, they journeyed on to Sodom. You know the story, they get to Sodom and they intended to stay all night in the street and Lot said, oh no, you don't know this city. You can't stay out here all night. And Lot pulls these two men into his house. He says, you're going to stay in my house. The men of Sodom, and of course, Sodom was known for the uh, homosexuality and the perverted lifestyle and the, the wickedness, and that's why God destroyed it, by the way. That's why, that's why I uh, have to, from time to time, remind us that homosexuality is still an abomination to God. That's why we have to stand up and proclaim the truth, because you'll get brainwashed this, this world system and the media and Hollywood and all of this, it'll brainwash you into thinking that that is normal. Friend, that's not normal. It's not even close to normal. It's an abomination in the sight of God. And this was going on in Genesis 19 in Sodom. The men of the city, they came and they tried to bang down the door. Lot answered the door and he said, no, you can't have these men. They said, uh, uh, let us know them, meaning let us be immoral with these men. That's, that was the, the prevalence of Sodom. And Lot, uh, Lot slammed the door. The angels pulled him back and slammed the door. And Lot had tried to reason with those men of Sodom. And he said, no, you can't have these men. These are guests in my house. And then he says the unthinkable. He says, here, I have two daughters that have not known a man. You can have them. Now you want to think and you want to say that Sin doesn't eventually destroy your mind and destroy your brain. That's a classic example right there. Lot had lost all sense of direction. He had lost his spiritual compass. He was willing to sacrifice his own daughters. And this was the situation that Lot was in. The angels, they pulled Lot in. They slammed the door and they said, Lot, God's going to destroy this city. They said, you better get your family together and we're heading out of here because this city will be destroyed. I want you to notice in Genesis 19 and verse number 12, and the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any here besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Notice verse 14. 
This is going to be our text, and I won't be long from here on out. It says in verse 14, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said up, Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Notice the end of verse 14. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They didn't take him seriously. Lot was a joke. His own sons-in-law said, Lot, yeah, you're real funny. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Ha ha. You don't, you don't live in the fear of God. You're not worried about what God thinks. You're not worried about what God says. You're not worried about judgment from God. Lot, nice try, buddy, but we ain't going anywhere. You don't believe that. Notice with me in verse number 15. And the morning arose, and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And verse 16, and while he lingered, Lot didn't want to leave. And I understand some people say, well, his family or whatever. But Lot knew what was coming, and Lot did not want to leave Sodom. They literally had to grab him by the arm and haul him out of the city. He gets out of the city. The Bible tells us in verse number 26, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's family was destroyed. His life was destroyed. But I want to I rewind it and I want to say, I think it goes back to a lack of consistency. You know, it's amazing. Lot lost his own family in Sodom. But it didn't have to be that way. Lord, would you help us, please, as we look at Lot's life, but as we look at our own lives. I pray that we would be consistent in our Christian lives. I pray that we would be consistent in our walk. I pray that we would be consistent in our everyday lives, at home, at work, at church, at school, wherever we go. I pray that you'd help us to be consistent. May we be what you want us to be. May our hearts be right with you. May our lives line up with the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I'll go quickly. Consistency in our choices. Did you know that Lot was not consistent? He was inconsistent in the choices he made. Now again, it's easy to point the finger at Lot and say, Lot, what were you thinking? Lot, you chose an opportunity and you chose money and you chose popularity and you chose all of that over your own family and over your own walk with God. But can I tell you, if we're not careful, we do the same thing. It's amazing to me sometimes as Christians, the decisions that we will make and we make a decision and then we say, oh, wait a minute. I wonder, I wonder if that's what God wants. I love what Brother Dan said about prayer. Uh, prayer should not be a last resort. Uh, a, a prayer should not be an afterthought. But prayer ought to be the first thing we do. And we ought to go to God and say, God, help me in this choice. Help me in this decision. God, help me to know what's important. Help me to know what's, what's right. Help me to know what you would have me to do. We ought to make the right choices. We ought to be consistent in the uh, choices that we make. Lot was with Abraham. While he was with Abraham, uh, he had that spiritual umbrella over him and he had the spiritual protection. It's amazing to me. The fact that God spared Lot, the Bible tells us, was because God remembered Abraham. 
I don't even think God spared Lot because of Lot's merit. I think God only spared him because of the prayers of Abraham. But can I tell you, our choices must be consistent. Lot made a choice to go to the well-watered plains. He made the choice to go uh, to a better job or a better career or more money or more popularity or something that was easier. But he did not take into consideration the effects spiritually that would be upon his life and upon his family. Hebrews 11 is such a classic passage about making choices. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Moses... When he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. May God help us to be consistent in our choices. Number two, are you consistent in your character? Did you see, and we went through this so quickly, but as you read this, you'll see that Lot treated those angels, and he didn't know they were angels. He saw these men come in and he said, hey guys, come on in here. You can stay here and we'll take care of you. He treated those guests better than he treated his own daughters. He was more concerned with impressing strangers than he was with impacting his own children. I tell you, we must be consistent in our character. We must be consistent in our lives and our actions and our thoughts and our desires. You can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time and you can't fool God any of the time. God knows and God sees and character is what you are uh, in the dark when nobody's watching and character is what is in your heart of hearts and Lot had a character that was morally bankrupt. Did you notice in this passage that he refers to the men of Sodom? The Bible says he sat in the gate. That means he held a political position. You know how you hold a political position? You get people to like you. You please a lot of people. And Lot held that position. And when the men of Sodom came, Lot said, he said, Hey, brethren, brethren, to the Sodomites? to the homosexuals that are coming and banging down your door and you say, hey guys, we're buddies, right? We're friends. Lot's character was not consistent. Did you see that even after Lot had been warned, the Bible says that he lingered? Why would you linger in a place of wickedness and why would you linger in a world of, of sin and, and, and perversion and why would you linger in a place when you've got angels literally pulling you out of the city to try to save your own life. Why would you do that? Because you're more attached to the world than you are to God. And Lot's character was not consistent. Again, I, I, I made those remarks at the beginning about some things in our governor's orders and some things in our governor's decisions. But this message, this is not about our governor. This message is about you this message is about me. Boy, it's amazing how the inconsistencies in others can be so glaring. And it's amazing how the inconsistencies in our own life, we can cover them up, and we can hide them, and we can justify them, and we can push them aside. Number three, and I'm done, I see the consistency not only in our choices, the consistency in our character, but thirdly, I see the consistency for our children. You see, to his family, 
Lot had become a joke. Lot lost his voice with his children. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that they couldn't hear him. Oh, they could hear his words. But his words had no impact. His words had no meaning. His words had no influence because he had lost his voice. He had lost his testimony. He had lost his leadership in his own family because they had seen the choices. They had seen the character and they had seen that Lot's life was not what it should have been. He tried to warn his family, but they did not take him seriously. He seemed as one that mocked. What about mom? What about Lot's wife? Well, certainly she could talk some sense into her children. No. And by the way, I blame Lot because Lot should have been the leader. He should have been the spiritual leader in that home. But Lot's own wife, as they were leaving Sodom, she couldn't help. The angel said, don't look back. Don't turn back. She couldn't help but take one more look back at Sodom. The Bible says she became a pillar of salt. The Bible tells us in the Gospels, one verse, it says, remember Lot's wife. What a warning. Uh, what a reminder. Uh, uh, what a wake-up call for us. The Bible tells us that Abraham in Genesis 18, he had a very different testimony. It says in Genesis 18 in verse number 19, God said, for I know him, speaking of Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Abraham would be blessed, his family would be blessed, while Lot's would be destroyed because of the inconsistency in his life. I wonder this evening, how is your consistency? How is my consistency? When I think about consistency, I think about somebody who is faithful. I think of somebody that's dependable. And I understand we all have our, our ups and downs, don't we? And we all have our highs and lows. I understand all that. But you know what God's looking for? Proverbs 20, verse 6, I've quoted it so many times. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What's faithful? It's consistent. It's dependable. It's reliable. And Lot's life was summed up with inconsistency. 2 Peter chapter 2. It's amazing if we did not have this passage of Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 2, we would probably assume that Lot was never saved. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says that Lot was just, meaning he was justified, meaning that he believed in God and he was justified from his sins because of that belief and that faith in God. We were talking, uh, Brother Dan, I think it was with Brother Fry at the lunch table on Sunday, and we were talking about how you look at Lot's life and you'd think he wasn't, you'd think he wasn't saved, but he was. Then you've got a Judas in the New Testament. You look at him, and most people would have thought he was saved, and he wasn't. But can I tell you, we need some people. Not like Judas, not like Lot. We need some people like Abraham. 
We need some people like Noah. You say, well, what was so special about Noah? Noah preached his whole life. Noah lived his whole life. He obeyed God. He did what God wanted him to do. And when his work was done, his family got on the ark. You say, well, what's so big a deal about that? Well, sometimes it's easier to reach people we don't know as well because we can pull the wool over their eyes. But Noah reached his own family. And he was real enough in his life that his family said, yes, we're buying in. That's what we want. May God help us as a church as we go forward. May God help us to be consistent. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.